Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. Mitch Horowitz back with us, writer in residence at the New York Public Library. He's been a lecturer in residence at the University of Philosophical Research in L.A. He's a Penn Award-winning author of a number of books. He has written on everything from War on Witches to The Secret Life of Ronald Reagan for The New York Times, The Wall Street Journal, The Washington Post, and so many others. A couple of his books include The Miracle of a Definite Chief Aim and The Miracle Club, How Thoughts Become Reality. Mitch Horowitz, back on Coast to Coast, one of our favorites. Hello there, Mitch. Hey, George. Great to hear you. Looking forward to this. And look at the special three hours. You ready for this? Delighted to be here. I will take up and ready to go. We'll take a lot of calls and everything else. Give us an update, Mitch, on what you've been doing. Well, right now I'm working on a book on how to attract good luck. This is something ah, that people can I love it. watch out for. It's become a favorite topic of mine. I've become persuaded that there really are concrete ways to cultivate good luck. It's not all random. And so the book is going to be called The Mastery of Good Luck. And that's going to be an audio program and book coming out in the next few months. Do you know Joseph Gallenberger by any chance? Is this the author of Liquid Luck? Yes. Yes. I just got his book. I'm looking forward to reading it. Uh, I picked it up on your recommendation, actually. I've heard a lot of good things about it. He's been on the show several times, and he, in what he's done for a lot of people who might not know who he is, he's a professor, and he yeah. experiments with luck, and he believes that people can create their own luck. And yeah. so he has tested people by going to Las Vegas, and he brings two groups of students, upbeat very bubbly, very exciting, happy people, and then another group that's down in the dumps, negative, "Ah, we're not going to win, that kind of thing, and he tests them. And almost every time, I might even say every time, the upbeat group, the happy group, always seems to win. The negative group always seems to lose. Isn't that amazing? It's absolutely remarkable, and it relates to something that was written by the great ESP researcher J.B. Ryan, who's a personal hero of mine. And I write about this in the Miracle Club. J.B. made the observation that when he was doing ESP tests at his clinical laboratories at Duke University, he found that the greatest correlate to demonstrating ESP was a mood of hopeful expectancy in the subject, that if the subject was experiencing enthusiasm, encouragement, optimism, hopeful expectancy, results would spike. And that if the subject started to experience boredom or fatigue or was fidgety or just really had something else that was drawing their attention away from the lab, results would inevitably go down. But if they took a break, had a cup of coffee, were encouraged, they would spike up again. J.B., who did probably the most sophisticated Uh, clinical ESP tests that have been conducted on a college campus maybe in the past 80 years, he made the observation that a positive mood seemed to correlate with a spike in ESP results on card tests. So it was the same thing uh, that the man we were just talking about uh, discovered, and there's a great secret of human nature in there. Positive expectancy does correlate with an expansion of the mind's powers. What is it doing? Is it tapping into something that's out there, like as I've always called it, the wireless internet, where, yeah, where happy, very, upbeat people somehow are able to connect better? It seems to me, George, that, and this is something I write about in the book, 
I think what's going on is that we're not exactly manifesting outcomes so much as we're selecting them. My theory is that linearity is an illusion. It's a necessary illusion because we're five sensory beings and we need to organize our lives in a certain way. But in fact, there's infinite possibility. There's superposition of all outcomes going on around us all at once. And when we are in a dynamic, supple mood, when our minds are flexible, when we're filled with a sense of possibility, we are able, in effect, in effect, to select among these infinite outcomes or to select among things that exist in potentiality. And I think that we can exit the kind of illusion of linearity when we're in this positive, hopeful, dynamic state. And it's, it becomes more possible to us to actually select circumstances. I have a friend who's no longer with us. We always used to joke with him that we called him the cooler. And uh, he passed away a couple months ago, Mitch, uh, while I was in St. Louis uh, for Christmas and the holidays. Uh, so I'm glad I was there for that. Um, but uh, he was all—he had a strange personality. He, he had the ability of cooling things, huh. not necessarily by doing it on purpose, yeah. but he would just do it. And I mean, yeah. it, it, would be, it would be strange— he would be with people who would normally be upbeat or lucky or things would be going well for them, and things would change for, the, uh, for these people quickly. Uh, mm-hmm. And then when our friend left, things would get back to normal again for people. But I remember a time, uh, I don't know why we use Vegas as an example, but it's easier to track that way. That's but right. years ago, years ago, uh, we took him to Las Vegas, a group, mm-hmm. a group of us, and we stayed at the at the Riviera at the time. And he uh, he met my casino host, and uh, you know he went up to her, gave her a hug. They they got along well, but you know he was kind of down and negative. Um, mm-hmm. Two weeks later, she dies. She was in wow. her forty years old. She was, wow. she died, mm-hmm. and and then a month later. They announced that the Riviera was going to be demolished. Uh, wow. and, and, but but this, this, that's just an example of the many things that happened to this guy yeah. wherever he was. Um, yes. I mean, it, it was bizarre. Why would you know, someone like that, who was a nice person, yeah. but why would these negative things happen to him all the time? You know, it's very interesting. We, I really do believe, George, that there is a kind of spontaneous ESP or telepathy going on all the time in day-to-day life, and that we, we attract events and incidents to ourselves, both good and bad. And I was just speaking with a friend about this earlier tonight, and this is a challenge that I want to put out to the, the Coast family, the Coast listeners. I've made this observation in my own life and in the lives of many other people, and I challenge people to test it themselves. When you feel uh, bullied or when you feel picked on or when you feel like people are treating you like a doormat, don't do anything to change your outer behavior. Just change as best as you possibly can your inner talking, your inner sense of self to the greatest degree you're able and watch what happens in your exterior life. Again, don't do anything in your exterior life. Just change your inner talking. Demonstrate to yourself within, that you are an assertive person, that you are a person who's mature, who's deserving and commanding of respect. Watch what happens. Your life could change in a revolutionary way, because I think that when people are aggressive or hostile, they are picking up 
signals, mental signals, telepathic signals, put it however you like, from people who uh, are identifying themselves, perhaps subconsciously, as easy victims. And it can be reversed. This is the ESP of day-to-day life. It sure is. You yourself had an uncanny experience with mind and money. What happened to you? Oh, it was just remarkable, George. I was reading the book Think and Grow Rich, and one of the things in that book, uh, one of the techniques, one of the pieces of advice, is that you must write down a certain sum of money that you want to earn. It should be a bold sum, but also a reasonable sum. Write down the date by which you want to earn it, and write down the service that you're going to provide in exchange for it. And for a long time, I resisted that step. Somehow, it chafed against my spiritual values. It chafed against my ethical values. I didn't feel comfortable writing down a sum of money and a date. But I dedicated myself to the book one day and decided I was going to follow all of its instructions and burn my bridges behind me. So I did write down a certain sum of money, a bold sum, and a date, which happened to be my birthday, which was November 23rd. I had forgotten all about it. I wrote it on a yellow sticky note inside the book. Months and months later, I returned to the book, and I was astonished to discover I had earned that very sum of money, which was a considerable sum, by that very date, which was my birthday. Subconsciously, this had stayed with me, and this exercise proved enormously fruitful, and I really want to recommend it to people. We have a numerologist, uh, you must know, Glynis McCants. Of course. comes on our program often. And she said on the program years ago, she said, if you put the number eight in your purse or wallet or in your pocket, it will attract money for you. That's fascinating. And she said, you got to be careful, you know, don't be greedy about it, but, you know, just do it and let it happen. You know, let let the intention happen. And so a fellow who was uh, working at a restaurant here in the Los Angeles area who listens to the show quite often, he's passed on too. Uh, he was uh, also uh, an, an actor. His name was George. Um, he did that, and he went to the casino. Uh, and again, we seem to judge ourselves by going to casinos, but it's easier to gauge, I he guess, did that a track. Way. Yeah, yeah. But uh, he had the eight in his pocket, and he won $3,000 playing slot machines. He never That's wins, amazing. he said. He said it That's was amazing. absolutely uncanny. And I said, well, he was telling me this story when I was out at the restaurant, and he said, and I can't wait to go back tomorrow. And I said, George... Glynis said, you got to be careful. You can't be greedy. He said, no, no, it works. He lost it all the next oh, day. Oh, no kidding. He lost no it then I then, then Then I got an email from another guy who said he put the eight in his pocket. He was flat broke. Put mm-hmm. the eight in his pocket. Two days later, he gets a letter that he's getting $200,000. His father died. His dad died. So there's the, So it comes with consequences at the same time, Mitch. Well, you know, it's very interesting. Uh, there, there, there's so much to that. First of all, I'm going to do that experiment because I love personal experiments. Exactly. Like yeah. And, you know, there's an interesting observation to be made there. We're often told that if we want to achieve a goal, we should be persistent. And, you know, often we hear that and we think, well, it's just a good work ethic. But there's something else going on, and this is a very important ingredient in cultivating good luck. Every statistician and every gambler can tell you that runs of luck change. It's a natural law. And one of the reasons why persistence brings good luck is that a fallow period will inevitably reverse 
and will reverse again, as happened to your friend at the casino. So when people say, be persistent, keep your chin up, keep trying, that's not just a good eat your vegetables kind of ethic. There's actual statistical lawfulness behind that. Persistence brings about or sets the stage for a natural reversal of a fallow period. And that reversal will turn back on itself again. So, you know, sometimes these old expressions that we hear have their basis in natural law. And this is part of how we can actually cultivate good luck. Interesting. I want to get this out too, Mitch, that next week you're going to be at the Manly P. Halls School in Griffith Park here in Los Angeles uh, giving a speech. Tell me what you're going to be talking about. Oh, gosh, I'm going to be uh, uh, hosting five events there. I'll be there from Wednesday. I'll be there from Thursday through Saturday. I'm going to be talking about ancient Egyptian philosophy. I'm going to be talking about forgotten occult heroes. I'm going to be doing tarot readings for people. And on Saturday... It's going to be a very special event. I'm going to be hosting a a two-hour Miracle Club workshop where we really get into the nitty-gritty of some of the ideas that you and I are discussing. And if people want to find the dates or information, they could just go to my feed at Twitter. It's at Mitch Horowitz, and posted right at the top is all the information and the links you need. I'm really excited. I love Los Angeles. I love Manly P. Hall. And, uh, you know, I'm getting to spend about four days there next week doing lots of events. I'll be in Denver doing my Beyond Belief TV shows, but I would have loved to have come to see you. That would have been Another fun. time. I'll be out in L.A. plenty. Uh, I've now got a gig as a lecturer at, at Manley Hall School, so uh, I'm out several times a year. Super, super. Let's talk a little bit about intention and yeah. the ability of people to manipulate things, not just lucky things, but they can manipulate things with their intention. How do they do that? You know, I think, George, that uh, everything that we hold as an emotionalized, vividly pictured intention in our minds, for good or bad, eventually gets visited upon us in waves. And the key word there is eventually. There can be a real long interval of time or gestation period, sometimes even years. But if you really look back and scrutinize your life, you find that things that you've been holding in your mind subconsciously almost serve as the internal programming or cybernetic system of a heat-seeking missile. And you move toward it. You move toward it. Most of us feel that dreams don't come true. The fact is, dreams do come true. But we don't often scrutinize ourselves carefully enough to unravel what we've really been wanting, what we've really been wishing for, what we've really been hoping for. We are strangers to ourselves. We think we know what we're walking around thinking about or what we really desire, but we rarely give mature scrutiny to what our real desires are versus the things that we tell ourselves. This is why I always talk about the critical importance of having one definite, absolute, passionate aim in life. Nothing focuses your psychical energies more completely than having one absolute aim. It's another law of nature. Concentration brings force. And if you can sit down in a really mature, sustained way, very privately, this is your own private experiment, without any embarrassment, and ask yourself, what do I want in life more than anything? Don't rely upon what you've told yourself Mm -hmm. in the past. Ask yourself right now and mean it. That is an extraordinary mental exercise in concentrating uh, your abilities and in bringing about your intention. But it has to be very focused 
and very concentrated. Are you convinced that this ability to do this is outside of the mind, or does the mind have, have something to do with it? The mind has extra physical capacities. We know that as an absolute fact. In fact, you know, the, the, the thesis of materialism, which would hold that we are just flesh and bone robots, it simply doesn't cover the bases of life anymore in the 21st century. We have absolute evidence across all kinds of fields, including neuroplasticity, including psychical research, uh, including quantum theory, that the mind and awareness wields extra physical abilities, that it, it goes beyond uh, the five senses. Uh, the field of neuroplasticity demonstrates that your thoughts change the gray matter in your brain. This is according to simple brain scans, and no one disputes the science. What gets disputed is the implications of it, because the implications are fantastic, which is that mind over matter is a reality. And that's just one field and one area where it's been demonstrated that thoughts have extra physical capacity. So we know this as a fact. The question is, how do we use it? How do we apply it in our intimate lives, in our day-to-day -day lives, in finance, in relationships, in home life? And this is where these wonderful experiments come in. There's a very deep mystery about how all this works, why it works. I come up with a theory in the Miracle Club, which I was discussing earlier, of this idea that the mind can help us exit the illusion of linearity. It can select events. But the most important thing is that we find workable methods and we provide testimony so that other people can use these methods and ideas. There's no question uh, that our generation is on the precipice of incredible discoveries in the human mind. I think that we are going to come to a revolutionized view of what it means to be human in as much as the theory of evolution revolutionized uh, the idea of human life in the Victorian age. Our minds have extra physical capacities. And the message that people should take from that is you're never without options. You're never without tools, even when things are their most difficult. Your mind does wield influence on the world around you. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.